I'd encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Today we're focusing in the second message in this series that Ben began for us last week. And what a great job he did in kicking off this series of messages, living in a Blackberry world. And who will forget the word picture that we have of that yoke, that we have the opportunity to exchange for the easy yoke of Christ, and how much we as parents and families, husbands and wives, need to to accept that offer of exchange. And today we continue in this series, Desperate Households, and we're going to focus in on Deuteronomy 6. You'll find it in your pew Bible if you're using it there on page 178. I came across a job posting a few weeks ago that uh, I thought I'd pass along to you this morning. In these tough economic times, there are many people who are looking for employment, and perhaps you might be interested in this job posting. So I'm putting up the help wanted sign. Here's the description of the job. Long-term team players are needed for challenging permanent work in an often chaotic environment. Candidates must possess excellent communication and organizational skills, be willing to work variable hours, which will include evenings, weekends, and frequent 24-hour shifts on call. Your responsibilities include on-site training in basic life skills and negotiating, conflict resolution, and crisis management. You must think outside of the box but not lose track of the box because you might likely need the box for a school project. You must be able to drive motor vehicles safely under loud and adverse conditions while simultaneously practicing above-mentioned skills in conflict resolution. You must screen phone calls, maintain calendars, coordinate production of multiple homework projects, must have the ability to plan and organize social gatherings for clients of all ages and mental outlooks. You must be willing to be uh, indispensable one minute and be an embarrassment the next. You must always hope for the best, but always be prepared for the worst. Possibility for advancement and promotion? Absolutely none. Your job is to remain the same position for years without complaining, constantly retraining and updating your skills so that those in your charge can ultimately surpass you. Previous experience? None required, unfortunately. On-the-job training is offered on a continually exhausting basis. Wages and compensation? Forget it. You pay them. You offer frequent raises and bonuses. And when you die, you give them whatever is left. The oddest thing about this reverse salary scheme is that you actually enjoy it and you wish that you could only do more. Benefits? Well, while no paid holidays and no stock options are offered, the job supplies limitless opportunities for personal growth and the ability to impact future generations. And so I ask you, is anyone interested in applying for that job? Obviously, some of you already said yes to that, and you're in the midst of it, and you're thinking that perhaps you were a bit weak-minded when you said yes to that job. I want to propose to you this morning that of all the things that I've done in the workaday world, and I've done many from uh, my first job as a busboy in a local restaurant in our little town in Portville, New York, 
working on the factory line during my college summers, uh, working as a camp cook, uh, serving as a minister of music, and believe it or not, there was a time when I was a youth pastor. Those poor youth. Of all the jobs that I've had in my adult life, bar none, the toughest job of my life has been being a good parent to my three children. It has required everything and more from me. I have leaned heavily upon the grace and mercy of God. And God has been gracious and has uh, overwhelmed uh, my blunders and my mistakes, thankfully. It is tough work. As I talk to you today about this tough job, in desperate households though, I want you to understand a few assumptions that I bring to this message today. Assumption number one, if you're married and don't have kids, or if you're married and your kids are no longer living at home, you still are a family. Incidentally, contrary to what states like California, Iowa, Vermont, and a few others have declared, the institution of marriage was designed by God to be one man and one woman legally married as husband and wife in a monogamous relationship for all of their lives. And courts may, be, may determine otherwise, but the court of God's law has laid out the pattern and the template for marriage and the family. Assumption number two, if you are a single parent, you too are a family. In fact, you, go ahead. When I look at the challenges that single parents are facing, it's hard enough raising children when there's two of you to do it. I can't imagine the enormous challenge that single parents face in raising spiritual champions for Christ. I want to say to you, you have not only my honor and my esteem, but you have my heartfelt prayers that God will bless you and empower you for the important work that you've been called to do. Assumption number three, if you are a single individual, I want you to know that you are not second class. In fact, Scripture celebrates singleness. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians in chapter 7, he writes, I wish that all men were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried, Paul writes, to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. So Paul gives, uh, he brings it up a notch and level and says to the single person, you're not second class, but instead you have blessed opportunities that the married person does not have. And if you have this gift of singleness and celibacy, you have an important role to play in the body of Christ. So I want to say to you today, if you're here today and this service has been hard for you because you're single and perhaps you're longing for a marriage partner, perhaps you're longing to be a parent, I want to remind you that God is gracious and even in your singleness, He wants to bless you. Even in your singleness, one is a whole number. Fourthly, and we all need this reminder today, 
Children are a gift from God. Okay. You might not feel that way today, but indeed they are. There may be times in the challenge of parenting children that you're going to think, this is a gift from God? You've got to be kidding me. But Scripture says, Psalm 127, 3 says, Sons are a heritage from the Lord and children are a reward. Think about that. Get your mind wrap around that for a moment. Children are a reward from God. So you better treat that gift preciously. Fifthly, and I'm going to say more about this in a moment, parents are responsible for raising children. The home is the principal delivery system that God has ordained to transmit God's truth from one generation to another. It is not the government's job. It is not the school's job. It's not even the church's job to do so. It falls upon the parents to do so. And it's about time that we in our society get that straight and stop leaning upon everybody else to do the job that God has laid upon our shoulders. My final assumption. I want you to know that I am a parent in process, and I'm not an authoritative expert. My children are now raised and gone. For the time being, none of them are living with us. And we've moved into a new stage of parenting. And to be frank with you, I'm finding this stage of being a parent of adult children probably more challenging than any of the other previous stages. Because what I'm learning is, as a parent of adult children, your number one job is to zip your lip and butt out. (laughs) I don't know where that came from. But there is a grace and a gift as a parent of adult children to pray for your kids and to love them and encourage them and demonstrate the unconditional love of God toward them. But sometimes you need to just turn them over to the mercy and grace of God and trust God to work that all out. So those are the assumptions that I bring this morning. Now to the text, right into it, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let me set the scene. People of God have been wandering the wilderness for 40 years. Because of their rebellion and their lack of faith, this whole generation of Israelites was was not permitted to enter into the promised land. That land that God described would be a place that was flowing with milk and honey. An entire generation had disobeyed God uh, by not entering into the land uh, 40 years earlier. They've now died, and now the next generation was just about, they were on the precipice of entering into the promised land. Moses was not able to go with them. He, he was not permitted to go with them. So he wanted to make sure that as they entered into the promised land, that they knew what they were, were to do and what their job was. And actually, the whole book of Deuteronomy is a retelling of the Old Testament law that was given by God on Mount Sinai to Moses when he met there with God. And the book of Deuteronomy literally means a second or retelling of the law. It is a repetition of the law that was first given by God. 
And so this is Moses' final message to the people of Israel, and it marks a significant milestone and defining moment in their nation's history. It's interesting to me that what is first and foremost in Moses' mind is not to provide uh, counsel or advice on farming or agriculture or on construction or shepherding or economics or even battle plans. But what's foremost in Moses' mind as he gives his final address to them is to explain to them God's heart for the family's role in faith formation. God's people are about to enter into a pagan land that was filled with with pagan people, filled with over 40 different people groups. There must have been all kinds of challenges as they went forward into the promised land. But again, God's and Moses' focus is on the family. And in that sense, I think that what's happening here in the history of Israel is very similar to the situation we face today. Because I'm finding, and I'm sure you are, that this old world in which we live is hostile to the things of God, and in particular is hostile to the sanctity of marriage and the family. And the the family and marriages are being torn down on every side. We see evidence, new, fresh evidence of it every week. And I wonder how much longer the Lord may tarry to let this foolishness and rebellion go on. Now what we're going to see in this passage this morning in Deuteronomy 6 is that our parental job description includes four main responsibilities. And because I know you're thinking about where in the world you're going to go to lunch and where you're going to have to stand in line for an hour before you have lunch, I'm going to, I've made it mnemonically memorable, give you four L's. Here's our four responsibilities. We're to learn it, we're to live it, we're to leave it, and we're to launch it. Learn it, live it, leave it, launch it. Say it with me. Learn it, live it, leave it, launch it. Learn it. The first thing in your responsibility as a parent in this hard, tough job is to learn God's Word for yourself. Before you ever think about teaching or training your children, you need to be concerned about yourself. We see this in verses 1 and 2 in Deuteronomy 6. Moses says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Moses knew in his final address to the people of Israel that he needed to teach and the people needed to learn. Part of trusting God is taking his word seriously and knowing his word. I say to you, as I've said often before, You and I will never grow in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ unless we grow in our relationship with the Word of God. That is why I'm constantly encouraging you to get involved in something beyond just Sunday morning church attendance. I'm encouraging you to get to know God's Word. Learn it for yourself. Understand it. Live it. So you need to join a community life group, get involved in a small group, become part of one of the many fantastic Bible study groups that are offered here throughout the week. And grow in your relationship to God's Word, and this is the means by which you will grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ Himself. 
learn it. Secondly, live it. This is the second part of our parental job description, to live it. Look at verse 3. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Listen to me, friends. It's one thing to learn something intellectually. It's quite another to live it out in a day-by-day fleshly experience. You need to learn the Word of God. You need to understand these divine principles and precepts. And then you need to put flesh on them and live it out before your children. It's not just enough to know the transformation. There has to be a personal transformation in your heart and life. And when you learn it and you begin to live it, you're going to want to obey God in His ways. Because you'll begin to understand that if you love, as John 14:23 says, Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Obedience to the Word of God, as we learn it and begin to live it and obey it, we then unleash the blessing of God in our life and in the life of our family. It's interesting to me that that verse 4 through verse 9 is what is, is known as the Jewish or the Hebrew Shema. Hear the Lord. Hear, O Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And it continues on down through verse 9. This Shema is a declaration of faith. It is literally a pledge of allegiance to the Almighty God. It it was a prayer that was, was said by a good Jew the first thing they got up in the morning and was the last prayer that they prayed at night. It was the first prayer that a child would have been taught when they learned to pray was the the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And it's a call to live by faith and obedience, to love God and, and to love Him with all your heart, soul, and strength. Jesus quoted that again in the Gospels in His earthly ministry. He says that our love is to be wholehearted. It's not to be divided or double-minded, but our love is to be wholehearted. And our love for God should pervade every aspect and component of our life. And as we determine to love God, then we will seek to obey Him. Again, if anyone loves me, Jesus says, He will obey me. Verse 6 reminds us that God's Word is not just to be in our heads, but it's also to be in our hearts. The Bible is to be lived out. It's not just something that we give mental assent to and and speak some creed to and say, oh yeah, I, I believe that, I think. No, it's something that we live out. Verse 6 says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. There's a focus on the heart. Listen to me, friends. The job of parenting is more than just behavior modification. The job of parenting is not just getting your your children under control, though, I might add, Getting your children under control is not a bad thing. But the job of parenting, first and foremost, must deal with the heart. Impress these things upon their heart. The heart is where the change needs to come with your children. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Now what you have there in Proverbs 4.23 is a 
is a clear-cut, divinely inspired statement that, that the issues of life come out of the heart. All the matters of life proceed from our hearts. In Mark chapter 7 and verse 21, Jesus said, For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Those are all things that we want for our kids, aren't they? No. All those evils come from inside and make a man unclean. All of those evils proceed from within our hearts. And what you need to recognize is this in the job of parenting. That you're not dealing with behavioral issues. You're dealing with heart issues. In fact, let me go beyond that and say, behavior is not the crucial issue. Seeing that your child's behavior is not the crucial issue. But heart change is the crucial issue. And parents must target the hearts of their children. And the first thing your child needs to know and understand is that their heart is deceitfully wicked. The sinful heart that is alienated from a holy God. It's a heart that is the fountainhead of every type of iniquity. And that something has to change. And so when I pray a prayer of dedication for these children, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will stir early in their life and will instill the, the hunger and thirst for righteousness, and there will be a heart change. The first thing your child needs to know is that their heart needs to be changed by God and His amazing grace. One writer puts it this way, the world's smallest battlefield is the child's heart. Your child's heart is a battlefield where sin Sin on the one hand and righteousness on the other hand are in conflict. And the problem with your child is not a lack of maturity. The problem with your child is not a lack of experience or a lack of understanding. The problem with your child is a wicked and depraved heart. And no one outgrows that depravity. No one. So the goal of parenting is to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And you do that by living out a Christ life before them. You model what it looks like. So your number one job is not to control them. Not to set boundaries, though you need to do that. It's not to produce socially commendable behavior within them. It's not to get them into the Ivy League schools. It's not to get them to be polite and respectful. And get them to say, yes, sir, and no, ma'am. Your number one job is to get them to understand that they need Jesus Christ as Savior. And lead them to that point where by faith they will put their faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation. And any objective less than that is only behavior modification. And it's not the job that you and I have been called to do as Christian parents. Now let me warn you. This isn't an overnight project. As many of you already understand. It takes a long time. It takes patience. It takes godly wisdom. It takes perseverance. It doesn't happen overnight. The cruel 
reality of all of this is that by the time that you think you have got it figured out and you think that, hey, I think I know what I'm doing here as a parent, by the time you have it figured out, your kids are grown and gone. And so then you have to invest yourself in helping other kids and helping other young parents to help them in preventing uh, from making the same mistakes that perhaps you and people like me have made in their parenting responsibility. So we learn it and we live it out, modeling it before them, and then we leave it. After learning it and living it, we have the responsibility to leave our faith to the next generation. That's part of God's job description for parents. Check out these verses from the book of Psalms, Psalm 71 and verse 18. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Or Psalm 78, verses 4 and 6. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, the wonders He has done, so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. You see, there's a passing on that needs to happen from generation to generation to generation. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 7. It says, Impress these things on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. You are to do this. Parenting is a personal job, as I said earlier. It's not my job to raise your children. It's not the Sunday school teacher's job to raise your children. It's not the school's job or the government's job or someone else. Mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, aunt and uncle. It's your responsibility. And you will have to give an answer for your responsibility before the throne of God. You will not be able to say on that day, well, the school failed me or the church failed me or the youth program failed me. It's your responsibility. Raising champions for Christ is your job. So you love God with all of your heart. You learn the Word of God. You live it out before them. You impress these truths upon your children. You show them by your own example. Don't drop them off for Sunday school or Awana. You come with them and stay. You get involved in a Bible study. You, you get involved in a community life group. Show your kids what it's like to have a love relationship with Jesus Christ. Not just that you're a religious person. Impress these things, the Word says. Talk about it. The task of training champions for Christ is a full-time assignment and you're always on the job. You're always training. You're always looking for a teachable moment. You're always looking for an opportunity to impress a spiritual lesson for your kids. And if you're alert you'll soon realize that there are teachable moments everywhere, every day. But you've got to be alert. One mom writes of a time that her three-year-old daughter was frustrated with her younger brother who was always messing with her things. The little girl was so totally frustrated with her little brother. She said, Mommy, can we put him back now? And the mom was ready for this opportunity to teach her siblings how she should treat her brother. And she explained that they couldn't put him back because he was her brother and he was 
a gift from God, and so we can't put him back, honey. To which the little girl responded, I understand, mommy. God didn't want him either. There's a teachable moment. Talk about the sovereignty of God and the plans and purposes that God has for life. And, and even though there will be people in your life who, who rub you the wrong way and are like sandpaper in a file in your life, that you need to love them with the love. There's a teachable moment. And if you look for them, there are opportunities everywhere to train and mentor and be an example to your children. Look for those teachable moments. Those spontaneous, unplanned opportunities to teach and impress. Allow the Bible to be central in all of your life. Don't just restrain it to a Sunday morning activity. The Jews were so impressed with this that they, verses 8 and 9 says, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of, of your houses and on your gates. A good Orthodox Jew with their tefillin, actually, maybe you've seen them, they wear a box with a law on their head and, and straps up their arm to remind them of the law of God and the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Reminders in life, these symbols of life to remind us of what our story really is and how our story, our family's story, connects to the big story of God. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one. And once we learn it and live it and leave it, then all we can do is launch it and pass the baton of faith on to our kids. And that's the phase that Kathy and I find ourselves in right now. We're passing on what we learn from our godly parents. I am so grateful for a godly heritage. Christian parents and grandparents and great-grandparents who love God and were faithful in passing on the baton of faith generation by generation. This last week, because I couldn't be with my mom on Mother's Day, I went up to Bradford to spend the day with my mom, take her out to lunch, celebrate uh, you know, the blessing of her in my life. We had a lovely day together. And I thanked my mom for all the sacrifices that she had made for my brother and for me. You will know, most of you, that my dad died at a very young age, age 32, of colon cancer. And my mom was left to raise two boys of age 9 and 7. I was 9, my brother was 7, and she raised us on her own. She worked hard every day. She got up at the crack of dawn, worked in a factory. She didn't have any cushy job. She worked in a factory every day of her life. I had to get my brother up in the morning and get him ready for school I came home at night and got supper started until mom got home from the factory. She was faithful in discharging the duties and responsibilities of raising us boys, protecting us, nurturing us physically, but most importantly, understanding that her primary responsibility was to transfer faith from her generation to our generation. And today, I and my brother Barry are products of her faithful transmission of spiritual truth from one generation to the next. My brother Barry is a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. You will get to hear him preach in June. He's going to be here and you'll get to hear him preach. And I now have been serving the Lord for 30 plus years in ministry. I praise God for my mom was faithful in depositing spiritual truth in our lives. And now the onus is on me to pass it on to my children. And we're in that launch phase 
hoping it, that it stuck, that it, it took hold in their lives, and that they will be responsible to pass the baton of faith onto their generation. That's our job. To learn it for ourselves, to live it, flesh it out before them, to leave a deposit in their life and then kick them out of the nest and launch them into a world so that they can pass that on to the next generation. Learn it, live it, leave it, launch it. It's the toughest job on the face of the earth. And it needs every spiritual resource that you can grab to do it successfully. And prayer is the first resource. And so as we close this service today, I've asked Carla Smith, one of our dear FACers, uh, to come and pray a prayer of blessing. I prayed with Carla, uh, shared in leading a National Day of Prayer event at the City Hall on Thursday, and Carla was assigned to pray for the family, and she prayed such a lovely prayer that day. I went to her afterwards and I said, Carla, I want you to come Sunday and pray at the end of both services. Pray that prayer for FAC, it's marriages and families. So Carla's going to come along with her husband Bob and her two lovely daughters, Caitlin and Robin. And I'm going to ask you to stand, and Carla's going to lead us in a word of prayer, and then we're going to be on our way. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, our dearest Lord Jesus and Holy Spirit, we come to you with grateful hearts and hearts of praise. We praise you for your loving kindness in designing the family as you have to reflect your character, Lord, and to teach us your care for us. We praise you that it's designed as a place where we can be accepted and instructed, nurtured, loved, corrected. We are secure there. We are safe. We can grow and experience your grace. We ask your forgiveness, Lord, that we have often made our families such that they do not reflect you and they do not reflect your design. And we ask your forgiveness for our sins of selfishness and we ask that you would cleanse us of those sins. Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have in you because of who you are in this design and we pray that you would send out your light and your truth in these things and let them guide us. For we hope in you. Let them bring us to your dwelling places, Lord. Lord, you know that I am not aware of all the things that our families deal with. But I know some of them from our own family and just from what we've seen in lives around us. And we just want to be first in line, Lord, here among FAC families, to receive your healing power, because we need it. First, Lord, we bring to you individuals who have been scarred by abuse. These are not things that should be in families, but we know that many have been hurt. And we ask for your healing. We ask that you would draw each one to you to experience restoration and your powerful love. Lord Jesus, so that these individuals can move on, have the help you, you prepared for them, and have great and whole lives and families. We pray for our marriages, Lord. For our husbands, we pray that 
each would honor his wife and would sacrifice for her, Lord Jesus, as you have for your church. And for wives, Lord, that we would respect and encourage, build up our husbands and not tear them down. And we pray that husbands would be worthy of that respect. Lord, for parents, I pray that we would protect our children with safety and nurture, direction, provision, and boundaries. And as Pastor Rick has shown us so clearly today, to let our lives be permeated with your presence in all of these things, Lord. We pray that we would be adults taught by your hand and that we would not seek for our children to meet our emotional needs, but that we would instead meet theirs. Lord, I know it's Mother's Day today, but I want to pray especially for fathers because they have been so maligned and beaten down in our culture. And I pray that as moms we could build them up and that everyone would do that. And I pray that Father's Father would take up their powerful and amazingly important role with honor and integrity for their children, for their wives, and Father especially before you. I do pray for singles, Lord, that they would be content in this amazing calling that they have. And if they haven't been given that calling and are just there temporarily, I pray for your faith, for faith in them and endurance. And thank you for their lives supporting other families. Lord, we just ask your blessing and closing on all FAC families. We ask you to grant us your grace, that we would fully receive your forgiveness and your instruction where we have failed in our families, Lord where we are lacking, and where we simply need to grow. We ask that you would let this blessing from your hand bring honor and glory to you alone. That is our goal and our heart. And we pray that you would let our families be an aroma and a blessing to you and to our world. And we pray this, as always, in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus. God's people said... Go in peace and serve the Lord.